0: We had pretty rainy few weeks, which is strange for the beginning of July. And then, of course, I was sick at the beginning of July and, and want to say thank you for, for your prayers and encouragement uh, while I was sick. But it's been a weird summer. Part of me feels like it's over already, and part of me feels like it hasn't started yet. And so it's a little disorienting, but I'm glad to be here and, and be with all of you this morning. Um. So this morning, as as we begin this time, I have another little video clip to share with you. Now, are any of you familiar with the great classic, I Love Lucy? No. Yeah? All right, all right. My my mother loved this show. We watched it constantly, and and it was great. So I've got a clip from this to show you. This is an episode in which Lucy and Ricky's son... Little Ricky, has taken an interest in playing drums, and they wake up one morning to find him practicing his newfound passion. And so take a look, and and you'll see. There you go. Uh, now, have any of you ever had a song stuck in your head before? Yeah? Yeah? Or maybe just part of a song that just keeps repeating itself over and over again, right? The, something that'll happen to me sometimes is I'll find myself kind of with something playing in my head, and, and then I'll realize, hang on, do I even know this song? What, where did I hear this? And, you know, music is just everywhere, right? Like, I probably heard it in the background at the grocery store, some commercial or whatever. I mean, music is just all over the place, and it finds our way or its way into us. And and we're hearing it even when we don't realize it. And, and it works its way into our heads and, and so on and so forth. And this isn't necessarily bad, right? I mean, music is really fun, right? I love putting on a little bit of music in the background when I'm doing some reading or working on something, you know, it's, it's really fun. We, we love listening to music when we're going on drives, road trips, that sort of thing. It helps pass the time. And music is really powerful too, right? Think back to your early days of school. Did any of you ever have to memorize the states and their capitals? How did you do that, right? Did you learn a song? Or, or maybe you memorize the books of the Bible that way. And, and I'll tell you, to this very day, if I am asked to alphabetize something, I am singing the song in my head. That is the only way that I can figure out what order the alphabet goes in. I'm A, B, C, D. Oh, there we go. Like I, that, that's how I do it to this very day. And so songs are these wonderful, powerful things. They are everywhere. They get stuck in our heads, they help us remember and learn, and they even have the ability to change and transform our mood, right? So this summer, I want to spend some time together in the Psalms. So if you have a Bible, you can open up to to the book of Psalms right there in the middle. Uh, Psalm 1 is is where we'll be this morning. The Psalms are the songbook of the people of God. These are the songs that the nation of Israel would sing when they gathered at the temple. They are the songs that Jesus grew up singing in synagogue. They are the songs that the apostles and the early church would have sung together. In fact, the Psalms are the most quoted book in the New Testament from the Old Testament. And, and in fact, Jesus quoted from the Psalms more than any other book of the Old Testament, right? These songs are the songs that were stuck in their heads. These are the songs that they memorized, that they remembered, that they learned, that they knew. And not only did Israel, Jesus, and the early church sing these songs, but ancient monastic orders actually had this rhythm in which they would sing through All 150 psalms every week. That is 20 psalms a day or more, right? And this was just built into their times. You know, they would gather every three hours. A bell would ring. They would gather together, and they'd sing through a few songs together. And then they'd keep going about their day. And three hours later, another bell would ring, and here they go, right? This is built in to the fabric of people of God, So if these songs are the songs that Israel sang, that Jesus sang, that the early church sang, and that Christians throughout the centuries have been singing, then it is well worth spending some time in the psalms together. So we're going to be in the psalms for the rest of the summertime. And my hope is that as we spend time in them, they might just get stuck in our heads. And, And I believe that as we learn to pray these psalms, that they might not just get in our heads, but actually begin to shape the way that we live. Just like that video clip, right? We might actually find ourselves living and moving to the rhythm of these Psalms. That they can actually get beyond our heads, into our hearts, and then out into our hands as we live our lives. Just maybe we'll find ourselves moving around the kitchen, or our workplaces, or our neighborhoods, to the beat of these songs. So today we'll begin with Psalm 1. Hear the word of the Lord. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord. And who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water. Which yields its fruit in season. And whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. But not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will stand in the judgment. Nor sinners in the assembly of God. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. This is the word of God for the people of God. Amen. God. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for giving us the gift of these songs that we can sing and reflect on and meditate on and learn God, I ask that as we reflect on these, that you would sharpen our minds and soften our hearts, that we might know you and love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So the plan is is just to kind of walk back through this psalm together and and talk through it. So so not only this psalm, but, but the entire book of psalms begins with a blessing. Did you notice that? It begins with these words, blessed is the one. And from this start, we can actually see that this really is the songbook that Jesus sang and knew. After all, he began his sermon on the mount the very same way, with a number of blessed are statements, right? Right? So blessing, both praying for it and pronouncing it, it, is a really powerful act. It's a really powerful thing. It's a way of drawing our attention to the work of God in various moments of life and to begin to see them with holiness and with a bit more clarity. And I think that this invitation to bless is one of the greatest gifts that the people of God carry with them. Just, just think of the role that blessing plays at various crucial moments in life. Just a couple of months ago, uh, we gathered around the Stevens family uh, and and baby Ava and and spoke blessing over them, right? And over her new life. Or maybe think back to your wedding or, or a wedding of a friend that maybe you've been to and the blessing that was spoken there over that couple as they exchanged their vows. Or, or just yesterday, here in this building, there was a memorial service that I helped with in which the family spoke blessing over the loved one that they had lost. We prayed for blessing uh, amidst their loss. And, and again, a couple weeks from today, uh, we're going to plan to honor... Those graduating seniors who, who've already graduated by now, but we're planning to honor them and, and speak blessing over them as they go into the next phase of their life, right? Each of these moments birth, coming of age, marriage, death these are all threshold moments in life. These big moments of stepping over into something new and blessing plays a really crucial role in a moment like that. When we speak blessing, we are able to name the change that's taking place and draw our attention to the work of God that's happening in the midst of that change. And these, these kinds of blessings really only occur among the people of God, right? You, you've got hospitals and, and courthouses and schools that take care of the technical parts of a lot of those events, birth, marriage, graduation, death, right? But it's the church that offers the gift of blessing for each of these crucial moments in life. But blessing doesn't only play a role in great big threshold moments, right? It is also a gift for everyday living, that's, in fact, why we end every one of our Sunday gatherings with a word of blessing that sends us out into our lives from here. You see, blessing draws our attention to God in both these grand moments of transition, but also in, in small everyday moments that we encounter all along the way. In this way, words of blessing don't only enter into the life that we're already living, but actually act as kind of these guideposts to lead us into the life that God is calling us to. And I think this is the way that we see blessing at the beginning of this psalm. It's kind of this guide. It says, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sits in the company of mockers but whose delight is in the law of the Lord so so these words don't only speak blessing into our lives but actually give us direction for, for where we're headed in our lives and it shows us something really important i think about the nature of our life with god Right? In this first verse, we can see that the spiritual life is always in motion. Life is always moving. It's always progressing to somewhere. Did, did you hear all of those verbs? Walk, stand, sit. Right? These words show us the process of becoming. It's this formation of identity. So, so think back for a second to maybe to the, those awkward school days of of the the lunchroom, right? The school cafeteria. You, you grab your your plate, or maybe you have a lunch that you brought with you, and then you walk in and you look across the room and you're like, "Where do I sit? Right? Where do I go? What's happening?" Kind of that first day of school jitters. And so, first you walk around a bit, trying to see who's who and and what's what. And then maybe you find a group of people that, that you're interested in, and so you kind of awkwardly stand near them for a while and listen in. Do I want to sit here? Am I welcome here? Do I belong? Right? And then eventually you, you give in and you sit down, right? And you join a table, right? This is exactly what we see. Walk, stand, and sit. Uh, and if that... Uh, Picture back to, to school is, is maybe a little far reaching for you. Some of you did this just 30 minutes ago, right? You walked into this room, you stood around for a while, and then you took your seats, right? This is a picture of, of identity formation. This is a picture of, of going somewhere and, and identifying more and more somewhere. And this Psalm shows us that we are always in formation. We are always in progress. We are always becoming something. And so the question is not whether or not we're being formed, but it's how we're being formed. And this psalm gives us guidance and wisdom by speaking blessing over those who are not formed in the way of wickedness, sin, and mockery, but instead are formed by delighting. In God. So, so we can see the warning of verse one, right? And it is both holistic and active, right? The verbs walk, stand, and sit, they are these active verbs, but they also encompass the whole of life. Both both standing and sitting and everything in between, right? So it's, it's active and it's holistic. But, but as we keep reading and we get to verse 2, we see this invitation. And that invitation is also active and holistic. Although it does take a little bit of digging to, to see it. So, so look back at the text with me. Verse 1 warns, blessed is the one who does not walk and stand and sit in the way of the wicked. But then verse 2 is this invitation, but whose delight... Is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. Now, what I love about this invitation is just like that previous verse, it is also holistic and active. I mean, just think about that word, delight. It is this picture of wholeness, right? The psalm doesn't say whose knowledge is of the Lord. And and it doesn't say even whose obedience is to the Lord. It says whose delight is in the Lord. That's a whole different thing. Now, delight certainly includes knowledge and and obedience. Those are going to be part of it. But delight is so much more than just knowing and doing. It is being. Delight gets down to the ground of who we really are. It calls forth our affection. Delight is something that we can actually feel roll across our face in a smile, right? It's something that we can feel expand like a balloon in our bodies. Do you know that feeling of delight? This is a word of wholeness. And so it's holistic, but, but verse 2 is also active. It, it says, whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. Now, I do want to ask you, what is it that comes to mind when you hear that word meditate? Right? Probably most of us kind of imagine sitting quietly in some corner, maybe with your Bible open across your lap. You're reading a verse, then you close your eyes for a little while and, you know, you meditate, right? And if that's the image that you have, you might be wondering, well, wait, what do you mean it's active? Like, meditation is the least active thing I can possibly imagine. What, what are you talking about? But I recently read a book by Eugene Peterson, and it, and it kind of changed my understanding of this word meditate. So, so this is a story that he told. He shared this story about giving his dog a fresh new bone to chew on. All right? So first he takes out the bone, and his dog perks up and runs around and runs close, and you know, oh boy, is this, is this for me? And, and then he takes it and he tosses it out, and the dog grabs it and kind of parades around for a little bit in both celebration and Thanksgiving. And then after that public celebration, the dog goes and finds a nice private corner and gets to work on that bone, right? Do any of you have dogs? Have you experienced something like this maybe, Right? The, the sort of delight that this dog takes in the bone. And if you've ever experienced that, when they go find their private corner and get to work chewing, what kind of sounds are they making? Right? They're crunching. They're kind of, there's almost this little sort of happy growl that, that they might have. If it was a cat, it would be purring, right? I mean, this is what's happening almost uh, like, like the dog is, is just sort of delighting in this, right? So what's the point of this story? Well, the word meditate in verse 2 is the Hebrew word haggah. And this is the same Hebrew word that would be used to describe the sounds of that low growl or purr of a dog going at it with its bone, Right? In fact, in Isaiah 31, it's this very same word that is used to describe a young lion growling over its prey, right? So so this young lion is meditating over its prey. But that is not that quiet, peaceful, sitting in the corner, in your chair picture, right? This is an active word, So the picture here is that the same way that a lion would meditate over its prey or a dog meditates over that bone, so we are to meditate over the Word of God. We chew it. We enjoy it. We delight in it, right? It it draws forth all the depths of who we are. It's an act of delight. It is active and holistic. And this psalm says that that is the place where we find blessing. Blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates, who growls over it day and night. So after the opening words of blessing, with with both this kind of warning and this invitation, the psalm then introduces these rich images in the next couple of verses. We see a tree planted by streams of water and also chaff that's blown away by the wind. And just like the opening verses, these images also function as an invitation and as a warning, right? It's the sign of blessing. So verse 3 says that the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord, who meditates on the ways of God, is like a tree planted by streams of water. And we need to not skip over that second part of the image, right? I mean, the tree is, is beautiful to, to behold, and we can kind of imagine that and picture it. The tree is important, but the stream of water is, is probably even more important. Because the, the tree bears fruit, and it prospers, but the stream is the source of that fruit. It's the source of that prospering. The stream, it's not only the law or the word of God, but actually God himself who fills us, who gives us life, who sends out his spirit to bring forth fruit in our lives. And though this image is delightful, it's also filled with the wisdom of reality. Because it goes on to say that this tree will yield its fruit in the season. You see, living in the way of God will bring fruit and prospering, but it's not immediate. The fruit comes in season, and that prospering can often look very different than we imagine it, but the promise is still there, that the fruit will come that the prospering will occur. And then the image of verse 4 is is the opposite, right? It's the wicked, though their life may look prosperous, may look fruitful and appealing, they're ultimately not that rooted and flourishing tree. But rather, like chaff, the parts of the plant that wither and are blown away by the wind... See, the reality is that probably all of us have a good bit of chaff in our lives. And we would do well to let the wind of the Spirit blow on our lives and, and, and blow away some of that chaff, right? To flow over us like a stream and wash us clean. And again, this is, this is an invitation that the psalm is drawing us into. Things aren't always as they appear. The fruit is coming in season. And though something may appear prosperous and appealing, some of those things are going to blow away like chaff. Right? This is, this is giving us some wisdom. It's speaking blessing as a guide. And then we have the final two verses of the psalm that, that just really get to the point. There are no more images of walking, standing, and sitting, no more trees and chaff. Verses 5 and 6 just cut to the chase. It says, Therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Now, when we read a psalm like this, and especially an ending, like this. I think we can end up coming away from it in one of two ways. So so maybe you mostly hear the warning in it. And it makes you feel discouraged or defensive, right? You hear that warning and you think, well, gosh, there's there's really no hope for me. I mean, this is hard. Or you hear it and you say, well hey, I, I'm not actually that bad. Besides, this psalm is way too simplistic. Life is more complicated than righteousness and wickedness. There's, there's more going on here. And so you hear the warning and, and either become discouraged or, or defensive. Others might hear the invitation. You know, maybe start amping themselves up. All right, I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to avoid the way of wickedness. I'm going to meditate on the things of God. You know, and you start making your checklist and you're ready to go. They're ready to get to work. So so some may respond to that warning, and some may respond to the invitation. But but I want to offer another way of reading and responding to this psalm. Because though it has warning and invitation that we've already talked about, I think that this psalm is best read as exaltation. It's a psalm of worship. What I mean to say is that ultimately, this psalm really isn't about us. Because if we're honest, right, we have all walked in step with the wicked. Right? We have all stood in the way that sinners take. We have not delighted in the Lord and meditated on his word. We've probably meditated over a lot of other things. The truth is, we walk in the way of the wicked, and and our path often leads to destruction. But the point of this psalm is blessed is the one who did not walk in wickedness, blessed is the one who did not stand as a sinner. Blessed is the one who does not sit over us and mock. Blessed is the one whose delight was in the word of God, the one who was himself the word of God. Who is this blessed one? It's Jesus, right? Who is not only like a tree planted by streams of water, but who offered himself Upon a tree and poured out the streams of his own blood. This psalm is a psalm of worship that directs our hearts to Jesus, the truly blessed one. And because of his death on the cross, because of His blood poured out. Because of the power of His resurrection, we can be counted among those righteous ones. Because of Jesus, the blessed one, we too can partake in that blessing. This is the real invitation of the psalm to be delivered from sin, to declare praise to Jesus, and ultimately, to take delight in the Lord. Let's declare that praise together as we continue in worship.